Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open up our Bible here into the book, the New Testament book of John, John chapter 4. This is the second part of a five-week sermon series called Upside Down, and we're looking at some incredible conversations that Jesus had in the Gospel of John. And last week we looked at the one with Nicodemus. And that was that nighttime conversation where we learn about being born again. And today we're going to look at this conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. A very unlikely person whom Jesus encounters and the conversation goes all over the place. And how it starts off. If you have your bulletin, you always don't have a bulletin, uh, you can look at it right here. Uh, I want to give you some background information because understanding the location is important. If you look at the little map in your bulletin here, Jesus, he is teaching in an area, a very Jewish area called Judea. That's where Jerusalem is located. And that's where the conversation with Nicodemus occurred, there in Jerusalem. That would be the capital city, that's where the temple's located, that's the main place for Jewish worship. And through 2,000 years ago at Jesus' time. Well, Jesus was from Galilee. He was from Nazareth. And that's where he grew up. And his main teachings were there. Most of his teachings were along the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum. And that whole Galilean region. Well, he had to travel. He's about to go north from Judea up to Galilee on the little map in your bulletin. And if you notice there, there's this area called Samaria. Right in the middle of it. That would be like the bad side of town. It would be like the place you want to drive really fast to get out of because you'll get shot if you stop. That's the attitude. You would never go to Samaria. That was what it was like during Jesus' time. People just didn't go there. There were uh, racial problems. There were religious problems. There were doctrinal problems. Just folks didn't like that area. So if you were a Jewish man or woman... Typically, if you were going up to Galilee, what you would do, you wouldn't want to go through Samaria. You would cross the Jordan River, the Isle map, and go up on the eastern side of the uh, uh, Jordan River, and then go around Samaria, and then go into Galilee that way. And that's what folks would do, and that would add a, like a day to your travel. But you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have to pass through Samaria. The problem was, here's why folks didn't like Samaria. Samaria, what happened was back in the divided kingdom, after Solomon married 700 women and he had lots of wives and he started worshiping foreign gods, after Solomon, the kingdom split, the northern and the southern kingdom. Well, the northern kingdom fell pretty fast. And that area, the northern kingdom, was in Samaria. Well, back then it was called all of Israel. Well, what happened, the Syrians destroyed them and they moved in. Well, then the Assyrians started intermarrying with the Jews that were living there after the kingdom fell in 740 B.C. So you had people born. Instead, if you were a Jewish person, you were told your whole life, you got to marry a Jewish person. You got to marry a Jewish person. Whatever you do, just marry a Jewish person. That's what you're told the whole life. To preserve the perfect uh, lineage of Judaism. That's what Jewish folks were told. That's why you see all of these uh, uh, chron- chronologies throughout the Bible just showing 
birth order because everyone wants to be able to trace their lineage back to Abraham. That's what they're trying to do, back to the tribes of, tribes of Jacob there. So you could say you were, you were an Israelite. Well, what happened about 700 years before Jesus, the Assyrians defeated the northern kingdom. Well, they, start, they lived in that area of Samaria. Well, they started intermarrying with the Jews there. And those people that were half Jewish and half Assyrian are called Samaritans. They weren't full-blooded Jews. And then they had doctrinal problems. They did not hold solely to all the Old Testament. They believed part of the, of the um, uh, teachings of Moses, but not all of them. They didn't believe all of the prophets. Then Jews are told to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. Well, they didn't want to go to the temple because that's not in Samaria. So they erected their own temple called Mount Gerizim in a little city called Samaria. So they went and worshipped at Mount, Mount Gerizim. So you can see now what happened here. This is why Jewish people didn't like these folks. Because they married outside the race. They are worshipping in a different temple. They don't even believe the whole Bible. These would be like liberal Jews. And it's just folks didn't like them. And they resented them. There was tension between Samaritans and Jews. And it was a lot of it was centered around religion and racism. So what happens is Jesus, he's going to go north to Galilee. And he's going to pass through this, little, through this area called Samaria. And he's going to stop at a town called Sychar. Sychar is where an old well that was dug by Jacob was there. And it's a well where people would go and get their water. And an incredible event is going to happen. So Jesus is taking the shortest route to Galilee, and he's going to go through Samaria. He's with his disciples. He shows up. I'm going to pick up in verse 7. That's where we're about to pick up. We're going to be in John 4, 7. We're not going to read the whole chapter. Um, and what's going to happen is, Jesus stops in this little town called Sychar. He's at this well called Jacob's Well. And he goes there at 12 o'clock at noon. It's really hot that day. And he's going to get some water, or he hopes to get some water, while his disciples go into town to get some food. So that's our challenge. We're starting how we're thirsty and we're hungry. And we're going to have it a divine encounter. And what we see about this whole sermon today is Jesus is going to meet an unlikely person, a lady who's been married five times as a live-in boyfriend. And she came in the middle of the day because that would have been typically when no one would be there at the well. This is the community well. You had to go daily to get your water. So if you maybe had a reputation and you didn't want to see people, you would go to the well at the hottest time of the day. Well, lo and behold, she meets Jesus. So that's where we pick up in our Bibles right here. And the conversation is going to go all over the place. And Jesus just guides her along to where she needs to go. All right, verse 7. John chapter 4, verse 7. We're at the well. It's noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy some food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink from a Samaritan woman. She asked him, For Jews do not associate 
with Samaritans. Let me explain what this means. This is what happens. Jesus showed up and he's talking to somebody who socially they should not be talking to each other. And this woman said, sir, your elevator might not really go to the top because you're breaking a lot, lot of unwritten rules right here. We're not supposed to be talking to each other. I'm a Samaritan woman with a reputation, by the way, and you're a Jewish man because he's got all his Jewish clothes on. They, they wore outfits that let you know they are devout Jews, and Jesus was right there with them. He was very Jewish. He was Jew. And she's kind of reminding him, says, you know, this conversation isn't supposed to be happening because we don't associate with each other. That's what she's essentially saying. said, it's just best that we not talk. You do your thing, I do my thing, and we live in different worlds. But that's not what Jesus is looking for. He's, he's going to break the social uh, boundaries right here. So she's basically in a kind way saying, you don't need to talk to me. And then look what Jesus says. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to, to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Now, that's odd. I mean, you, he just got rejected. It's like he, you know, he tried to ask for a handout, ask for some help. Like, I'm thirsty. Can you give me something to drink? You say, sir, we don't talk to each other. I'm sorry. You just go away. And he says, I want you to know, you don't know who's talking to you. If you ask me for a drink, I wouldn't give that type of answer. In fact, I'd give you some living water. So I'm sure she's thinking at this point, this man's off his rocker. His elevator doesn't go all, um, uh, up to the top. Maybe there's an apple missing from the tree. Just something's off with Jesus, this man I'm talking to. Because now he's talking about living water. And then look what she says. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. So where do you get this living water you aren't greater than our father jacob are you he gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock the woman looks at jesus and says sir you don't have a bucket how are you going to give me living water you are you are a homeless man just wandering around you've got nothing and you're extending living water and this is jacob's well what 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 better well could we be at then this one right here, this is the best water. It goes all the way back to Jacob. So she knew that because he was Jewish, she would, he would know about Jacob. And then Jesus said, now Jesus is about to turn the conversation at this point. Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. He's making a contrast here. He's saying, ma'am, you come here every single day at noon so you won't be seen. And you pull up this water over and over again because you're thirsty. And you know what? Tomorrow you're going to be thirsty again. You just keep coming and you're looking for something. You're thirsty. And he says in verse 14, But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up in, in him with eternal life. Meaning the water I give, you don't keep getting thirsty. It's eternal life. I'm giving you living water. Now, I'm sure at this point, she's thinking, 
What is he talking about? Living water, eternal life. Like, she's just, I'm just here to get some water. I've got this man telling me that he's offering this living water. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't, have to get, won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. I bet, I have a feeling, she said that sarcastically. She's listening to what she thinks is a crazy man tell her that you can get some living water right here. And it just springs up of eternal life. And she says, okay, why don't you just give me some living water so I don't have to keep coming here to the well every day. Because, you know, it gets pretty old walking over here to Jacob's well to fill this bucket up every day. I'm getting tired of doing this. I just, I just imagine that she said this not straight-faced. There was some, uh, some type of slant in this conversation. I, I don't believe she believes Jesus is on his rocker. Something's off with this guy. Because this is not how a typical conversation with two different people who don't associate with each other talk. And now she's asking, she doesn't want to get thirsty anymore. And she's tired of coming on over here to get some water. So look what Jesus said. This is really odd. Jesus is about to reveal who he is at this point. At this point, she does not know that he's the Messiah. She doesn't know that she's talking to God. She doesn't know who, who that one she's talking with is actually knows everything about her. So Jesus says in verse 16, Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. Well, that creates a problem. I don't have a husband, she answered. Then Jesus said, You've correctly said, I don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. So she spoke the truth. She doesn't have a husband. And then Jesus just informed her, says, Ma'am, you've actually been married five times, and the man you're living with, he's not your husband. Now, right there, that... All of a sudden, Jesus just revealed, he, in the indirect way, he said, Ma'am, I, I know everything about you. I know all about your past, and I know why you're at the well at noon, so you wouldn't be seen. So I'm sure at this point, she steps back and goes, Whoa, you do know who I am. You know all about me. Sir, the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. Now this is what happens when you talk to somebody who does not know the Lord. Usually what happens, they take the conversation off the rails. And this is where she goes with it. She's about to take this conversation and it has nothing to do with what he just said. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. That's Mount Gerizim in Samaria. But you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Now that has nothing to do with anything. That's just like when you go and witness to somebody and you tell them they need to get saved and they start talking about the Antichrist or they start talking about the second coming of Christ or end times prophecy or how well, we won't have the dollar and cryptocurrency will be everywhere. It's just like, what are you talking about? They just, we're now talking about the location of worship. Do you see, you can just sense this woman doesn't know. She's seeking. She has bits and pieces of religion in her life. And Jesus is now about to teach her about worship. Because she talked about worship. Verse 21. 
Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain, that's Mount Gerizim there, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know because they don't know the truth, the Samaritans. They only believe partial bits of the Old Testament. They didn't believe everything in the Bible. A Samaritan today would be like if you go out and you meet a Jehovah's Witness or you go talk to a Mormon or you go talk to what I call a liberal Christian, somebody who's a, a affirming Christian where they just take uh, parts of the Bible and just uh, over-highlight certain sections where they don't take entire biblical truth. And there's many of those people all around us. Or it's people who maybe when they were younger, they went to church a few times, and they get some church on YouTube here and there, and they hear little posts on Instagram. They just take these, just a variety pack of, of religious slogans. They really don't know sound Bible doctrine. They don't know how to be saved. They don't understand what it means to daily follow Jesus. They don't understand what Lord's Supper and baptism mean because they're not, they're not in a Bible-preaching church. That's what Samaritans, they just have bits and pieces of the truth all over the place. And what happened, Jesus coming to them and saying, Ma'am, Samaritan, Miss Samaritan, you just don't know the truth. But look, he, then he's, he's going to put down, he's going to put down the Jews as well. Look at this. He says, We worship what we do know. He's talking about himself. Because salvation is from the Jews. That salvation, by the way, is Jesus. That's the salvation. But an hour is coming. Notice he word, said the word but. So the salvation is from the Jews because they know salvation is coming from him. And by the way, Jesus is salvation. But look what he says. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That there is Jesus he's talking about. He's talking about himself. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit. Now He's teaching her. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. In the Old Testament, the word for spirit is ruach. That's what the word means. And the way that word is actually translated in our Old Testament, because at this point they did not have the New Testament. Jesus and this woman are basing their uh, Bible beliefs on the Old Testament. The word spirit meant wind or breath so when you talk about god you're not in worshiping the spirit of god that's the wind of god or the breath of god well it's kind of weird for us to say the breath of god but when you actually say the breath of god you're talking about the spirit of god that's the holy spirit so what jesus is saying is ma'am all you're doing is sitting around thinking about worshiping on either the temple in jerusalem or Mount Gerizim in here, Samaria. But the time has come now that that's no longer. Worship isn't about a physical place. It's about the Lord. It's about a person. It's about worshiping in spirit, the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. And also, and in truth. And truth is the truth of Jesus Christ. Truth today is our Bible. So when we come to worship, we're worshiping, we come in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says where two or three or more are gathered in the name of the Lord, the Lord is with them. So you have two or three or more folks, you have the presence of God. They come together, and He worships. It's not a location, it's a people. When we say we're 
part of the church. The church technically is not a building. The church is a body of believers. So we come here on Sunday mornings and we worship as a group of people together, the Lord. So he's teaching her about that. That's not, that's not what she understood. She was taught to be a good Samaritan, I need to go to Mount Gerizim and worship the Lord there. Then the woman says in verse 25, so we had this lengthy conversation about worshiping in spirit and in truth because she liked both of those. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. So she's even heard about the Messiah. He's coming. But again, she doesn't know. And Jesus informs her in verse 26. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. He just said, I'm the Messiah. You want me to explain everything? I just explained it. Ma'am, you need to get saved. You need to realize that God is a spirit and you worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's not about the location. So what happens here is this lady here, she meets Jesus Christ. She believes in Jesus Christ. Do you know this Samaritan woman who had been divorced five times and was living with a man became the first Christian evangelist? When you think of all the Christian evangelists, you might not think of the Samaritan woman. But this is early in Jesus' ministry. This lady goes back to the little town, and in the Bible, I'm going to skip these verses, I'm going to highlight them so we don't have to read them, I'm just going to tell you, then we're going to pick up in verse 34 here in a minute. She goes back into town, and she starts finding all the men, because she knew all the men in the town, and she starts telling the men, hey, come meet a man who has told me everything that I ever did. Now, he's, he's the Messiah. She becomes a missionary. She's sharing the gospel. She's a believer. And because they're like, we know this woman's done a lot, so they're curious, they want to go meet Jesus. So then they're all, all these men start coming to the well, and Jesus starts teaching them about living water. Now, meantime, remember, they were at the well because they were getting some water. The disciples, they were gone. This event happened without the disciples. They had gone into town to buy some food. So we've got one group getting regular water but jesus kept saying you get thirsty all the time when you drink regular water and then you get hungry all the time when you just eat regular food and jesus is offering living water now he's got the whole town all these men coming to him and he's telling the samaritans there in sychar at jacob's well how to be saved and how to receive living water so then the disciples show up and they realize wow we went away for a few minutes and we come back and we've got our massive church service going on here a whole town's getting saved with jesus and why is he talking to that woman and what's she doing getting like like it just broke all the customs that was supposed to happen like this event we were just supposed to be passing through samaria because we don't even like the samaritans we're headed north to galilee and now we are having revival right here in sychar this little samaritan village so then we get here in verse 34 once you skip down we're going to look at this last section because now jesus now the teachings is about to focus on the disciples because they missed everything too. They were totally confused. They wanted to get out of town. They didn't want to be there. And what happens, the woman, is she's brought all these people and then uh, they show up and Jesus doesn't want any food. So they're wondering, well, did you get some food from someone else? 
And it's, he says in verse 34, like, where did you get food? He's like, you don't have any money. Like, what's going on here? So in verse 34, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told, told them. Don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. They show up. Jesus has food. He's got all these people around here. People are getting saved. The Samaritan woman is become an evangelist, and they walk up with their food, and Jesus isn't interested in eating anymore. And then he's teaching them, says, guys, I have food, but my food is different from your food. It's to do my Father's work. My food is to do what the Lord wants me to do. You all just go around eating this perishable food, and you just have to keep getting more and more food. You're starving right now. You're just always thinking, my next meal, what's next? And even when you think of the harvest, you're always focused on the future. And Jesus says, look at that words in verse 35. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Meaning, He is telling us today, in 2023, as you go about your day, whatever you do today or tomorrow this week, the people you meet, they need the Lord. They're, they need to be saved. And a lot of times we're always thinking about what we're going to do tomorrow and what we're going to do next week for the Lord and next Sunday and Jesus says stop the people you come in contact with right now are who you need the Lord I woke up this morning I was on our back porch at my home I looked to the left we have people from Nepal and they do not know the Lord they are lost and then we have on the other side we have an older couple who's retired they're wonderfully nice. They take care, great care of their grandkids. But they are like so many Lexingtonians in our city. They're lost. They don't go to church. They're nice people. They pay their bills. They cut their grass. Wonderful folks. They're just spiritually dead. They're not wild and evil. Most of the people we meet are going to be like just the regular folks we meet every day. A good family from Nepal that loves their kids. A retired couple who just raising their grandkids all the time cutting their grass, growing plants in the backyard, whatever they do. And it's just good people. And a lot of times we, we look at, we compare people. Like we, when we hear about people like the Samaritan woman, we go, oh, she's a wicked person. She's been married five times. And she's got a live-in boyfriend. And the, before she met Jesus, she was lost. And then we look at my neighbors today who I live between. A wonderful family from Nepal. And a wonderful set of grandparents on the other side. And they're both lost too. But you would look at those other two residents and go, those are good Lexingtonians. Those are good families, good people. But according to Scripture, they need living water. Because they're going to the well every day and they're getting thirsty again. And Jesus is telling me, just like He's telling you in verse 35, open your eyes and look at the harvest. Do you want to start seeing God work in your life? A lot of times you don't have to look very far at all. It might be your neighbor. It might be someone you live with. It might be your children, your grandchildren, people you sit next to at school and at work. Just look around. You don't have to go to Samaria or other side of the world. Literally, you just have to look out the window. There's the harvest field. And he's telling his disciples, because they were so focused on we got to get to Galilee to start doing ministry. And Jesus just said, stop. 
Look right here. We are in Samaria. These people need to be saved. And that woman who's been married five times, she just got saved. And now she's now witnessing to all these men that she's likely slept with here in the town. And they're turning to the Lord. And all y'all can think about is, where did Jesus get some food? And why are we here? We need to leave. It's, it's getting late. And Jesus is using this unusual encounter to actually teach his disciples that they need to open up their eyes and realize how the Lord is working. And that's the upside-down principle for us. Folks, you say, I can't wait till tomorrow. No, you can't wait to today for the Lord to use you. Our daily prayer should be, God, I want you to help me open up my eyes and look at the fields because they are ripe for harvest. Last two verses here. Verse 36. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. What Jesus is saying right there is when you, someone responds to the good news, when someone gets saved, usually there's been 33 people before that who shared the gospel, who invited them to church, who invited them to children's camp, who wanted them to come to Sunday school. And over and over and over again, they received all these invitations. They said no 33 times before that. But by the time you got to invite them, you got to share Scripture with them, they responded to it on number 34. And wherever, wherever you're at, and a lot of times, you're just a sower. And that's where you invite someone, or you share Scripture with someone, or you encourage someone in the Lord, or you teach someone how to be saved, and they just don't respond. But you're planting those seeds. And then one day, might be eight years later, someone comes along and they reap a harvest. Jesus is telling His disciples, guys, all you do is you sow and you reap. Sow and reap. And both of them are very important. You have to have sowers and reapers. Sowers are people sharing the good news. Reapers are people who witness people responding to the good news. Like in a minute, we're going to have our invitation to get saved. That's a time of reaping. A time of sharing the gospel. Right now, what I'm doing, I'm sowing. A time we respond is when we reap. We are always sowing and reaping. And Jesus is telling his disciples, guys, you need to stop what you're doing because this food you're so worried about, buying your food, making sure everything's well-stocked, is going to leave you hungry again. And I'm here extending you living water that comes up from a spring of living life. And not only that, the woman that you looked at, you looked down upon and you wondered, why am I talking to her? She got saved. She's now a Christian evangelist. The very first Christian evangelist going out sharing the gospel with others was the Samaritan woman. Early in Jesus' ministry, she's bringing men in Sychar, Samaria to come hear at Jacob's well about Jesus and how to receive living water. So what do we see in this story? Jesus taught us three things. This is the upside-down principles. And a lot of times what happens when we think about the Samaritan woman, all we focus on on this story is, wow, Jesus can save people who've been divorced and remarried five times and have live-in boyfriends. Well, that's absolutely true. Jesus can save anyone. But that's not the real upside-down principle. Here's what he's teaching us. He's teaching us that if you are constantly 
living in this world, of the things of this world, you will be thirsty all the time. And this woman was thirsty. And what Jesus came to teach her is she needed, because she keeps getting thirsty every day, she didn't just need some water, she needed God in her life. And God is living water. So what do you need? You were created and made for God. And that's the living water that Jesus offers. The second thing we see here in this passage that Jesus is teaching is about worship. Worship is not about a location because she wanted to start talking about Mount Gerizim. So Jesus will talk about that. So she's te- he's teaching her. And just like our principle for us, we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Spirit means our emotions. Our emotions and our desires are for the Lord. That's what we worship. When we come to worship the Lord, we have a desire for Him. Not a desire to look at Instagram, not a desire to play on our phones. Our passion should be for the Lord. And we worship in spirit, of course, and in truth. In truth means we worship by the Word of God. The Scripture is central to worship. When you go to a church, the Word of God should be read. You should see it on the screen. You should read in your Bible. It should be preached and taught. And we respond to God's Word. Otherwise, you're not worshiping. This woman here did not understand this. And, but Jesus, as gracious as He is, He's teaching her that we actually worship Jesus. He is the object of our worship. And we do that in spirit and in truth. And the third principle He taught here was, and this was to the disciples, because all they talked about was, we've got to get some food. We've got to fill those sacks, so we've got to get out of here and get to, get to Galilee, where we're going to get out of this little town. He taught them, open your eyes and look around. Your ministry, you all want to be disciples, you want to experience the Lord working, you just need to open your eyes and look at the harvest, because it's right in front of you. The need is right there. The need is when you go to work at the hospital, It's when you go to work at Amazon. It's when you go to school for summer class and you're sitting next to your friend and you begin talking to them about Jesus. You share scripture with them. When they're going through a hard time, you offer to pray for them. That opens up the door for gospel ministry. And all you're doing is sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping throughout your life. And these disciples did not grasp that. They were looking at food. She was looking at water. And Jesus is looking at them. Listen, I'm offering you something greater than both. You get living water. You get eternal food. You get the bread of life with me that never runs out, that fills your needs. And Jesus is revealing himself as the Messiah. And he's the one who's the object of our worship. And he's the one who saves us. This morning... We look at this upside down of how this totally flipped the script on what happened, these conversations. And we have to say, God, you brought me here at church this morning. And I'm hearing about sowing and reaping. I'm hearing about living water. I'm hearing about how I need to respond like the Samaritan woman responded. If you want to get saved, you can respond this morning and give your life to Christ. You can pray and receive Jesus. And the Bible says when you do that, Your name is written in the book of life in heaven. And that's what it means to get saved. And we observe the ordinance of Lord's Supper. The other ordinance we do here is baptism. And some of you need to receive believer's baptism. You're doing believer's baptism. 
Not because I'm encouraging you, you do it because the Bible says so. And Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. He went under the water and he came up. And we do the same as obedient followers of Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves us. Christ is calling us to receive living water this morning and, re- and be disciples of Him and be sowers and reapers and respond and says, Lord, open my eyes and help me see as you see. I'm going to invite everyone to pray while our band comes forward at this time. I'm going to lead us in a prayer and then we're going to have our invitation. And our invitation is when we respond, just like this Samaritan woman responded, we respond too to Jesus. So let's bow our heads and pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray for us. And if you are here this morning and you want to get saved, you're going to come take my hand. Come take one of our deacon's hands and say, I, I, want, to, I want to respond. I want to be like this Samaritan woman. I want to walk out of this sanctuary without knowing Jesus is my living water. God, I pray for the folks here this morning. Lord, we've seen this powerful story of the Samaritan woman, just such an unlikely person, who you met in an unlikely place. And the conversation went all over the place. But it ultimately kept going back to her need to receive living water. And Lord, I pray that we will receive living water this morning. God, I'm sure there's some folks here that need to make a decision to follow you and be faithful in responding to you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we pray we have boldness and courage to call upon your name. Is Lord, you are our great God and we love you. We give you this public invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The way we're going to close our worship service is we're all going to stand up. I stand down front along with some of our deacons. You want to make your decision to follow Jesus this morning and say yes to Christ. All right, Beecher.